We've got another busy weekend full of Husker sports. Full slate of games, including the home opener for Husker softball. Lots of postseason implications for Husker hoops. And another four-game series on the road for Nebraska baseball. Let's get you set for all of it. Talking to the guys that will be calling the action right here on the Huskers radio network. And let's start with Nebraska baseball because they're up first on the schedule. We welcome in Ben McLaughlin who will be on the call for us. Well, coming off the weekend at Grand Canyon, the Huskers take three out of four. What were you most impressed with out of that four-game series? Um, I think there's a lot of positive takeaways. You know, you're never sure what you're going to get on the road, specifically this early on against a really good team. I mean, Grand Canyons, they were undefeated. They've won their league three years in a row. Uh, so it's a really caliber baseball team that we saw. Um, I think the thing I was maybe most impressed with was the resolve, particularly what you saw on Sunday. Um, you're up 8-1 to one on getaway day, a team that you handled pretty easily the first two games. They bounce back with a close win on Saturday. You're up 8-1 to one, thinking you had the series wrap up. Next thing you know, boom, it's 8-8 eight to eight after the grand slam. And all the momentum's on their side. There's a lot of emotion in that series, and they didn't have a lot of life. And then the way Nebraska was able to score um, late in that game to take the lead, I think, is what impressed me. And I think the reason why it impressed me, and I think it's maybe more impressive than any particular outing or uh, Josh Karen hitting three home runs, is this is something that they can take with them you know, throughout the course of the year, you know, that mental toughness, being the toughest team in the country, something that Will Bolt, you know, preaches to his guys to actually see that manifest on Sunday was really nice. You just mentioned Josh Karen. How about the start he's off to this season? Yeah, incredible. I mean, he had a great start to the season last year, kind of slowed down later. Uh, but I think he's kind of turned the page maturity level wise. He's kind of taken more of a leadership role. He's kind of a quiet guy. So to see him actually, you know, use his voice a little bit more and then to see him you know, I think he caught the first seven games of the season and then to put some big swings on balls when Nebraska needed it was awesome. Hopefully he can carry that throughout the course of the year. But yeah, I mean, man, without him, I'm not sure where we are right now. What have you, what have been your big takeaways? What have been the big differences that you've seen so far this season with Rob Childress managing the pitching staff? I think just the attitude of the pitchers, you know, I think, um, you know, Rob, now that he's kind of officially taken things over has added a layer of seriousness, a lot added a layer of competitiveness to the guys. And I think with that is a layer of, of expectation. You know, those guys know if their number's called, they're, they're expected to do a job. Um, you know, occasionally we've already seen this year, uh, it's pretty common practice where the pitching coach comes out and all the infielders come in. There's been three or four times this year where he'll throw the stiff arm <laughs> out to the infielder and said, nope, this is going to be a one-way conversation to the pitcher. And I think that just kind of exemplifies kind of how he is. And I think um, you're never quite sure how young guys are going to take that message but I think our guys have done a really good job of listening because he's one of the more respected pitching coaches in all of America and I think he's done a really good job with the staff particularly pounding the zone and with the attitude so yeah you can certainly see differences already. So going into another four game series you expect the pitching rotation to be the same to look the same? Yeah I think so it, it, it's a delicate balance when you're throwing these four game series out there because you go there's a lot of innings it's a lot of arms that need to go out there and pitch and to see Drew Christo pitched the way that he did his first start last week against Grand Canyon was was great to see he's going to be all the guys but Drew specifically are going to be as good this weekend their numbers are pretty crazy when you look at them they're batting almost 370 as a team and they've got some thump they like to steal bases so it's going to be a big challenge for our guys but 
I think overall, from what you've seen with the staff, you're, you're pretty pleased with what happened last weekend, and hopefully they can replicate it this weekend. Okay, let's dive into that a little bit more. College of Charleston off to a 7-0 and start to the season as you've prepped for these guys. What are you seeing out of them? What do they look like for the Huskers going into this weekend? Well, the numbers are what they are. Uh, I think the competition certainly is going to ramp up a, a degree or two with Nebraska coming to town, but... Um, you know, you, you, every once in a while in football, you'll see a, a completion percentage or an average yards per game from a quarterback, and it just, you, you always kind of have that caveat, but it sticks out when it sticks out, and that's certainly what it looks like with Charleston. I think to me is how balanced they are offensively. They'll, they'll hit some homers. They've got a lot of guys with doubles. They'll steal bases, um, and it's just the consistency that they have, but their, their pitching numbers are just as good. You know, they're pitching to under a two ERA right now as a team, which is, which is outstanding. Um, they ran through Youngstown State last weekend, but um, I'm pretty confident with where our guys are, you know, with the confidence level. Um, it's going to be a good competitive series. I think D1 Baseball put out a, a rankings of all their non-Power 5 uh, schools, and Charleston's right there in the top five. So it's going to be a competitive series. GCU is a competitive series. I, I think both teams are probably pretty, pretty similar with, uh, with skill level. When you start talking, I know it's early, but when you start talking about what you do in the non-conference to lead to what you do, maybe setting up for a postseason, what do the Huskers need to do here in the non-conference? It's huge. I mean, I think our baseball fans and, and Will Bolt in particular learned that his first year as an assistant. You know, Nebraska was 29 and 30 that year. Uh, they were one win away from being 500. And at that, in that particular season, their RPI was in great shape. They were in the high 20s, low 30s with their RPI. So they were already there. But um, in terms of resume builders, you know, Games like Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Grand Canyon, these are all games that matter and that we end up circling back to, you know, when May rolls around or the conference tournament rolls around, like, man, that was a great series for us. It really would have been nice to have that one. So you can't look in the rearview mirror. You really got to take advantage of these opportunities. And I think the, team, the, the players that have been on this team for a few years kind of understand that and how important that is. And I think it was a hard lesson for our coaches to learn in the COVID year, too, when they ended up with the conference-only schedule and having to go down to Arkansas for the regional. So... Uh, they're hard lessons to learn, but hopefully they, they learn them and are, are happy with where they're at RPI-wise. I think they'll be in decent shape at the end of the year. Giving Greg Sharp the weekend off this weekend. Yeah, he's tapping out after two, which is the, <laughs> which is the veteran move. But, uh, yeah, myself and uh, David Gustafson will make his, his Husker debut on the call. So, ironically enough, my first series was in Charleston, and his will be too. So, it'll wow. be fun. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it again. Uh, first pitch for the first game of the series coming up Thursday, 1 o'clock. You guys will be on the call coming up 1230 pregame. So, we'll look forward to the call. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, let's talk men's hoops now as the magical season continues. Just three regular season games left for Fred Hoiberg's crew, and they hit the road again at Ohio State. Kent Pavelka is having zero fun calling the games of this team this season. Yeah, I'm sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm tired of it, you know. No, I'm just having a ball. I'm I don't know if you were listening at all. You were there on uh, the last game, but I, it hit me about five minutes to go. The under four timeout, maybe it was the under eight timeout, and we came we came back to right before it came back to us uh, of after a commercial break. I I came back on the air and I said, Jake, I got to just share this. I said I, I'm sitting here looking at the at the crowd, looking at this place. And I got to tell you, I've never been happier in my life than at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I really mean it. I mean, it was like, it was just joy, you know, just this, all of this. As Tom Osborne characterized Husker Nation before anybody named it Husker Nation, Nation he called it this thing that we have concocted for ourselves, which is a great 
great way to describe the, I think, unique relationship between uh, Husker Nation and, and 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 these teams. You know. Well, this men's basketball team is doing things that we haven't seen done in a long time, and doing things that haven't been done. But you look at the last four games; they've won four Big Ten games in a row by at least 15 points, and they're doing it finding different ways to win. Sometimes it's a huge offensive explosion. Sometimes it's a lockdown defensive performance. But from your perspective, you know, what's gone into these last four games and, and why they've been able to pull away and dominate some of these opponents? Well, I think they went through a period and, uh, you know, after after beating Purdue, you, you lose at Iowa and then you lose at Maryland and you kind of have to regroup and rededicate yourself to the number one premise, which is you got to play with your hair on fire on defense. And, I mean, Nate, Nate Lenzer's just done a great job. And these guys are talented, just talented enough that they, and they play just the right way that they're really good. But it starts on the defensive end. I mean, uh, and, and this last game was a great example of that. You know, people say they weren't, weren't very good offensively. Yeah, they really were. I mean, the measure of if you're good offensively, in my opinion, is not whether or not you're scoring, it's whether you get a good shot, you know? So, so they're, my point being that they're, they're executing on offense. They're getting good shots on defense. They're playing uh, a brand at, at a level that these big 10 teams can't handle a lot of them. And so, you know, if you, if you combine getting defensive rebounds and not turning it over with those two things, uh, there's your, there's your formula. So when you talk about playing your best basketball, where else can they improve to play their best basketball? I just think uh, they, they've, they've got to give that kind of execution and effort every game. I mean, uh, but look, are, they're going to lose another game here. You know, I mean, it's going to happen. And, uh, and I'm sure that at that point, you know, a lot of folks will say they'll, they're never going to win again. And then, of course, when they win again, they're never going to lose again. But... Uh, I, I, I'm saying that even even if they play the right way, 100%, somebody's going to play better, you know, and beat them. And and look at this team Thursday night, Ohio State. I mean, they did that to Purdue. Now I don't know how well Purdue played that night, but then they did it uh, uh, in between a really good performance at Minnesota and a nine point loss. They did it again at Michigan State. So this team on Thursday night is good enough to beat Nebraska. I mean, I don't know that people. We'll, we'll believe that now that there's been this kind of success. You know, that's kind of the catch-22 of it all. But I, I, I just think they're really good, and um, I think they got a chance, you know, to, as, as Fred puts it, do something that's never been done before and something really special. And to me, they already have, really. So got the huge relief at Indiana, finally got that Big Ten road win. At Ohio State, you just talked about Ohio State's playing really good basketball, too. Nebraska did beat Ohio State earlier in the season. What needs to happen? What did they do at Indiana that worked well, and what do they need to do against Ohio State to maybe uh, get back-to-back road wins? Well, it was the first one minute of the game against Indiana. And, and, and I mean, they established when the ball was thrown up, uh, they had Indiana on, on its heels, and uh, they established who was going to be more physical. I mean, there was just no question about it. So it was the start of the game. And that's got to happen on Thursday night too, you know. Uh, you, you don't want to you don't want to encourage anybody, and and so they they just kind of set the ground rules of how it's going to be played, 
and 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 who's the boss? So I think that's the, the main thing that's got to happen, number one. And then, you know, you just got to sustain that. I know I'm talking generalities here, but um, if, you, if you think about just the playing maniacally, and like I, like I put it earlier this year, it's, it, there's a relentlessness to uh, 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 formula to, to win. And, and when you are relentless, you inevitably get inside your opponent's head. And I think that's what's been happening. You know, Minnesota didn't want much of Nebraska, you know, not very far into that basketball game. Um, so I think that's the formula. You know, you just got to, you got to get inside your opponent's head and re- they, get them get them to the point where they don't want to play anymore. Okay, and then let's talk about the other game coming up this weekend as well. Sunday, final home game, senior day against Rutgers. Rutgers is a team that Nebraska had on the road and was right there, ended up going to overtime. Juwan Gary gets hurt, but this time around, what needs to happen in this matchup for the Huskers to continue to protect the home court and get the win, be on the other side of the scoreboard in this matchup? Well, uh, number one, Jawan's going to be back. That, that'll that be helpful. I mean, at the end of that game, they couldn't get a rebound. Gary was off the floor. Mast had fouled out. Alex, Alec had fouled out. I mean, all they needed was a dead ball, uh, missed free throw rebound, rebound, and they win the game. So uh, I guess you, you back into the answer there, and that is, uh, number one, maybe you don't get in that kind of foul trouble. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's going to be a similar – atmosphere and a similar effort by Nebraska to what we to what we saw against Minnesota because of the fact that Huskers owe them one uh, I think it's going to be uh, just another Minnesota you know in every respect atmosphere and execution um, I wouldn't want to be Rutgers on Sunday <laughs> All right, Ken, I know we both think they're an NCAA tournament team a lot of folks do but Technically speaking, what do you think this team needs to do to absolutely lock up an NCAA tournament bid? Have they already done it? I think they've already done it. Okay. Although, I don't know. You know, let, let me give you this, what I, something I've been thinking about. And, and, and the fact I think they've already done it doesn't mean anything. I, I don't think they get much respect beyond, uh, beyond my office here because um, – <laughs> Look at look at Michigan State. How they have talked for weeks. How they're you know oh yeah they're a lock. They're they you know and and I understand the net and and the Ken Palm and all that and their strength of schedule, but I mean they continue to 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 lose, and you know at what point are they not a lock anymore? And at what point is Nebraska in? I mean, <laughs> um, in my opinion, there's there's a little bit of that going on. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, three games left. Um, do they have to win another one? Maybe, maybe they do. I, I, but I think their their resume, um, what this team has done, they're they may be playing well. I'm going to back off. I, I'm given to superlatives, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean, look, we're talking postseason, and that arguably they've done enough to get in. That hadn't been a conversation we've been able to have in a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and get in in a manner that, you know, you're not th- thinking that, well, we're just lucky to get in. We're, you know, probably not really feeling you're, you're worthy or, or really good enough maybe or just, just good enough. I mean, 
finally, the Big Ten Network is saying some thing, nice things about him. Did you catch Beeline after the uh, after the game on Sunday? He was talking about how, how this team reminded him of his national of the of his Final Four team in, in 2018, and he was just uh, he was just uh, you know uh, singing Nebraska's praises like I have not seen on the Big Ten Network for a while, and um, I think he's spot on. Wow. Fred Hoiberg, is he the Big Ten Coach of the Year? That game, I, we, I, I told Jake, and we talked about it on the air before the game on Sunday, the winner of this game is the Big Ten Coach of the Year, Ben Johnson or, or Fred Hoiberg. That simple, in my opinion. So your vote going to Fred Hoiberg. He is so quick to give so much credit to his guys, his coaching staff, but you have to tip your cap to how he's been able to bring this team along and coach them. And, uh, you know, it's not just bringing them together, but then how he's coached them throughout this entire season, everything that this team has been through. Well, absolutely. I mean, he's the CEO and, you know, he put the he put the players, he put the pieces together, including the coaching staff. But having said that, these players have bought in. And listen, Nate Lenzer, I mean, that defense is um, a, a thing of beauty, in my in my opinion. Um when you can when, when you can play a game like you did against Minnesota and really not yeah, the ball the ball's just not falling. I mean you're executing offensively, but you're still ahead eight points at halftime. Uh, so yeah, uh, he gets he gets credit. He's coach of the year. Ex- when you consider what the expectations were and what you know the media in preseason expected out of this team compared to what they've achieved, barring a flat out collapse here in the last three games that's a it's a no-brainer all right kip pavelka as always uh it's a treat to chat with you and we'll look forward to hearing your call of uh, hopefully a couple more wins coming up thursday starting thursday at ohio state 5 30 4 30 pregame and then also 5 30 tip as well on sunday final home game of the season inside pba kp thanks for your time thanks jessica all right, let's talk a little Husker softball now. Nebraska coming off a 2-3 and three performance in the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic last weekend. Had a couple of heartbreakers on Friday, but bounced back in a big way on Saturday. To talk more about that weekend and to preview the upcoming big weekend, home opening weekend for Nebraska softball, we welcome in the voice of the Husker softball team, Nate Rohr. Nate, how you doing? Doing great. Excited to be home at Bowling, and we're expecting big crowds this weekend. Uh, so it'll be good to be in the sea of red this weekend uh, for uh, four really good games. And Wichita and, and Missouri are both really good teams, so they'll be good tests. We're going to dive into that and, and get you set for the matchup with those two teams. But let's go back to last weekend and a really heartbreaking Friday, a couple of walk-offs go the wrong way but then you get a big win over Oregon and just the way that they battled against a ranked UCLA team and then um, gotta feel like there's some positives the team felt there were some positives to take away and and build off of from last weekend absolutely I mean they you know they lose those two games on Friday to San Diego State and then uh, UCLA but I mean Nebraska very well could have won both, and you feel like you should have won at least one of them. I mean, you take an 8-4 lead uh, to the bottom of the seventh inning against UCLA uh, in a tournament that is essentially a home tournament for them, uh, and then Nebraska made a couple of mistakes in in the seventh inning, and UCLA capitalized and, and took some momentum, and 
and it snowballed from there in a five-run seventh that they won. So the Huskers did a lot right, played really well. In some ways, it was about as well as they have played in this Marionetter Classic. The Huskers have gone to this tournament 12 times. Only once has Nebraska come home with an over 500 record. They've come back a couple of times uh, at break even, two and two. Uh, but usually, there, there's probably about one game where Nebraska gets dominated, gets run ruled. They're in a couple, and then they win a couple. Uh, this weekend, you felt like the three losses, they could have won any of those three games. They had a lead over Utah, a nationally ranked team that was in the series last year, uh, and then the Friday game. So you felt like not only were they two and three, but they weren't that far from four and one or possibly five and up. Wow. You know, we saw some, some bats really get going. Billy Andrews had a special weekend. Uh, we've talked about her a lot, but how about Sammy Bland? A little bit of a breakout weekend for her. Yeah, I think she she has a very interesting profile as a very athletic kid, uh, played uh, high school ball in California. So even though she's a freshman, she's played at a high level. Uh, she has a nice combination of power and speed and, and somebody that can be really helpful in both of those realms uh, in the bottom half of this Husker order. Uh, where, where Nebraska does need to build a little depth and, and be able to uh, challenge teams a little better with that bottom half. So uh, it was really encouraging to see the way Sammy Bland hit, and and I think it's something that, that can sustain. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be as good as it was this weekend, but uh, I, I do think that she can be somebody who can be a tough out in the bottom half of the order, and that's exactly what this team needs. Well, moving forward uh, with the pitching rotation and the pitching staff, we saw Emerson Cope last weekend, too. Uh, what do you expect? What can we expect to continue to see from this pitching staff and how they, uh, I guess, match up against teams moving forward? Well, I think how this pitching staff will be used is going to be one of the great stories uh, for the next 30-some games of the schedule because I, I think that we're still trying to define roles. Uh, very much for this team. Uh, I think Sarah Harness asserted herself as somebody that, that can be relied on to start and pitch pretty well. Kaylin Kinney had kind of an up-and-down weekend, both in games that she started and out of the bullpen. Um, Caitlin Olenski pitched pretty well. Uh, the the uh, action that she got uh, this past weekend, she's a freshman very spinny, very crafty, tough uh, for teams to pick up on. And, and you mentioned Emerson Cope. And, you know, coming into the year, I don't know that a lot of people, and, and I'll put myself in this category, uh, I don't know that a lot of people thought Emerson Cope would pitch a whole lot for this team. Uh, but with Jordy Ball's injury, she has been moved into the line of fire, essentially. And, and uh, she, you know... She has a good confidence about her, throws a lot of strikes, comes right after hitters. So, you know, there's a little something different in all four pitchers, and, and that is going to be something that Nebraska tries to utilize and, and tries to have, uh, you know, how they use pitchers in games complement 
so that they maximize the effectiveness of people. So, uh, for instance, Sarah Harness and Kaylin Kinney's stuff really contrasts. So there will be a lot of games where if Sarah pitches the first half of it, Kaylin pitches the second or vice versa. So uh, it, it's just something to track. It, you know, it, Nebraska really hasn't had a full staff like this uh, really in my memory. And, and college softball is moving toward a more pitching staff approach rather than having just kind of two pitchers that you, you ride the whole time. Uh, and I know the Husker coaching staff is still learning how they can maximize what they get out of all four of these pitchers. Great stuff there. All right, coming up this weekend, Big Red Invitational, Wichita State and Missouri. Missouri, another ranked mm -hmm. team that the Huskers will face. are coming in at number 14 uh, this weekend. Wichita State, there's a lot of history there. Let's start with Wichita State because that's the first team on the schedule Friday at 530. Uh, what can we expect to see from the Shockers? What does this matchup look like? Uh, Wichita State always has a really good lineup, uh, a lot of good depth in their lineup. Uh, Addie Bonnard. Uh, an All-American uh, Beatrice native really sets the pace for them. Uh, they've been able to get along pretty well despite losing Sidney McKinney, who is an All-American outfielder that hit over 600 last year and, and uh, by some people's accounts was the best player in college softball. Uh, but Wichita State, Christy Bredbenner's done such a good job uh, with that program and, and making it one of the best mid-major programs in the country. They're uh, a regional caliber team. And so, uh, you know, Nebraska had trouble with them last year. Wichita State beat Nebraska three times, twice in Wichita, then in the first round of regionals before the Huskers ultimately ended the Shockers' season last year in the NCAA regionals uh, in the semifinal to go to the regional finals. So... Uh, these teams have seen each other plenty. They know plenty uh, about each other. Um, there, there's a ton of history between uh, these two schools. So uh, I, I think the Wichita State matchup's going to be a nice test for this team. And then, you know, Missouri's been the surprise team in college softball. They went from not even getting votes in the national poll uh, in the preseason to being ranked in the top 10 in a week. And and, and so the Tigers have really uh, put it together here in the first month of the year and, and have been one of the great stories in college softball. So uh, they'll certainly challenge Nebraska and, and, you know, typical SEC team with power and speed and some good pitching depth. So uh, th this is going to be a real test for this team. It's interesting you know, usually Nebraska's first home weekends, or if they have a home weekend in non-conference, it's usually a, a fairly easy uh, opponent on the other side of them. And, and, you know, the Mary Nutter Classic the Huskers just got done with usually is sort of the toughest non-conference weekend they'll have. I think this year it's about equal hmm. between those two things. And so the Huskers are going to get really tested this weekend, no question. This is good, though, when you start talking. It's it's still early, I know, but when you start looking at strength of schedule, the things that the committee looks at, it's good to have this kind of non-conference, right? Absolutely it is, and, and especially as a Big Ten school, 
and especially with this year in the Big Ten, because I'm a little worried that when when we start counting things up in May, I think the Big Ten's going to be uh, a little lacking. It's a down year for the conference, at least uh, by my perception. And, you know, you talk about, well, it's early to be thinking about this, but not really. I mean, we're a quarter of the way into the season, uh, and we're running out of opportunities, really, for the Big Ten Conference and for Nebraska in particular to make their their hay as far as out-of-conference success. And, and so, you know, this is this weekend's Nebraska's last good chance to, to stack some chips in terms of non-conference wins, which are really important to the committee, especially when, you, when you're worried about the perception of Big Ten softball and, and how, how any success in, in the Big Ten will be perceived. If the Huskers are able to pick up a couple of wins against opposition that's going to be pretty good this week, I, I think that's it's going to be really helpful in May when it comes time to uh, first figure out uh, if the Huskers will continue playing and then where and, and who they'll be playing. So a very important weekend for Nebraska. All right, going to be fun to watch. Again, Huskers back inside Bullen Stadium for the first time this season. It all gets started against Wichita State Friday at 5.30 and then a doubleheader on Saturday with Wichita State and Missouri at 1.30 and 4 and Sunday 1.30 uh, against Missouri to close things out. And, of course, Nate Rohr will be on the call for all of the action all weekend long. Nate, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Jessica. Yeah, uh, me and Maddie Feller-Burkhardt will have all the action. We're excited. For Maddie, you making her season debut. Yeah, absolutely, and, and now a mother of two, so uh, I, I'm sure she'll have even more insight than usual, which is saying something. All right, well, can't wait to hear you guys uh, back in action together. Thanks, Nate. Hey, thanks for having me. We now welcome in the voice of Nebraska women's basketball, Matt Coatney, the Huskers. Uh, coming off a big win over Minnesota, they've got one final game left in the regular season. It's a big one at Illinois. Coat, thanks for joining us. Yes, I love being on with you. I can't believe we've reached the end of the regular season. It's what's fast. So fast. Hey, the last time we had you on and we were chatting with you, it was going into the final four-game stretch. You said they needed to win three out of four. Well, they've already won three out of four. So, uh, but, but there's still a lot, a, lot, a lot on the line in this final regular season matchup for the Huskers at Illinois. Yeah, there really is. And they control their own destiny for a double bye into the Big Ten tournament, a win, and they're in. And, uh, you know, it, they could still get that double pie with the Michigan State loss. So um, it's been a great run for Nebraska. I think they're playing their best ball of the season. And uh, it's it's certainly been a goal of this team to win all four of those games. So even with the Michigan State loss, I think this team wants to close out uh, with four straight wins here. And, you know, they're, they're playing their best ball of the season. You and I have talked a lot about the bracket projections and all of that, but that being said, with what's left and what the Oscars could do and where they're projected right now, how much room is there for them to improve a seed, move up, and, and maybe, again, the projections are what they are, but get off maybe that 8-9 eight, nine, eight, seed? Yeah, I, I think you want to get off the 8-9 because if you win in the 8-9 game, you're going to play – one of the top four teams in the country, and that's not what you want to do. I think Nebraska can actually play their way 
up to a seven. I think a six is probably unlikely, but they could probably get to a seven if they beat Illinois on Sunday, win their first round game in the Big Ten tournament, which is probably going to be against Michigan State, no matter uh, what happens, especially if Nebraska gets a double bye. Michigan State likely will be their opponent. Uh, then I think they they certainly would be in a position to get a seven. I, I, I don't even know if they make the Big Ten championship game if they could get to a six. Obviously, if they won the Big Ten tournament, I, I think it's a different story. If they, they won the Big Ten tournament, I think they could probably be a six seed in the NCAA tournament. So they, they would have some wood to chop, pretty difficult road to do it. Uh, I think that winning two more games might get them to a seven. Well, uh, you, you had mentioned they're starting to play their best basketball. What's gone into that here over this stretch? A couple of things with the lineup, I think. Amy Williams was trying to find some more offensive production. You know, her team is, is really good defensively, leading the Big Ten in rebounding. But, you know, teams have, have realized that, you know, if you shut down Alexis Markowski, you kind of force Nebraska to hit threes. And Nebraska had some very slow starts in games especially from the three-point line. So putting Logan Nisley in the lineup, uh, a couple of things happened there. She has proven herself to be good enough defensively to earn that starting assignment, and she's hit big shots, uh, especially um, in the win against Purdue. So uh, that kind of frees up the passing lanes for Markowski and makes the offense run uh, a lot smoother. Uh, the other thing is Jazz Shelley is playing with a lot of confidence. I don't think we can underestimate what it means having her grandparents here and her mom here from Australia for this last stretch of the season. She, she's playing with a lot of confidence right now, a lot more free and easy. And I think those are just a couple of things that um, have, have made the Huskers be playing their best ball of the season right now. Absolutely. Okay, so Illinois up next on Sunday, as we mentioned, and this is a team that the Huskers have faced back in January, 56-48 to win. You talked about it. Jeff Grease talked about it. This Illinois team is a scary matchup just because they, they have the potential to be a really, really good team. So I guess tell us about the matchup and, and what we could potentially see out of the Illini on Sunday. Yeah, we were scared back in January. Jeff Grease and I have said consistently, when are they going to figure out that they're Illinois? because last year, uh, Shauna Green came in and took over a program that was just absolutely abysmal and turned them around, put them in the NCAA tournament, really was the talk of, of NCAA women's basketball. Shauna Green got a lot of push for National Coach of the Year, basically the same players, and uh, they really struggled in the early part of this season. They've kind of got some of their footing back right now. Really good guard play with Genesis Bryant and Makaira Cook who are just tough to deal with, smaller guards who are quick. They like to get to the rim. And then on the inside, Michigan State transfer Kendall Bostick is a kind of back-to-the-basket post that reminds you of your classic Big Ten post. And um, she's tough to deal with. And then Adelia McKenzie is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, she's tough, a good rebounder, comes off the wing, can shoot the three, good defender. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be senior day. Uh, for the Illini, and they're still playing for some postseason possibilities. So uh, they, I think, are the scariest team in the league. You look at their record, and it's not coach speak, and it's not drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, they've been very, very good as of late, and I think it's going to be a dandy game on Sunday. Okay, so what are going to be the big keys for the Huskers to uh, come out of there with a win? Well, you 
don't want to get behind early, and that's something I think uh, is the reason that Logan Nisley's in the lineup. You want to make sure that you punch Illinois in the mouth early on on their senior day. You don't want Illinois having momentum on their senior day early. Keeping Markowski out of foul trouble, knock on wood, hasn't been a problem this year, but that's always going to be a key because her rebounding numbers of, of late have been ridiculous. She's, you know, it, it, it's – if you don't if you don't see her with ten rebounds at least by the half, you think something is wrong. I mean, her her play has been extraordinary. And then knocking down three pointers. Nebraska is a team that plays much better if they hit early threes. If they hit early threes, it stretches the floor, it opens up offensively for Markowski, and so those would be the things I'd be looking for for the keys to the game with Illinois. What's the status of Darian White looking like? Day-to-day. Day. And, you know, she sublexed that knee and missed a game. Uh, and then she came back for the Iowa game, looked pretty good, looked really good uh, in the game against uh, Northwestern. And then in uh, practice and before the Minnesota game, kind of retweaked it. So what, what we're told right now is it could be great today and not so good tomorrow. And I think she's just going to have to live with that through the end of the season. So – We'll find out on Sunday morning. It really is kind of that tricky of a knee. Anybody who's ever had a knee injury knows sometimes if there's no significant damage and, you know, it, it, what she's going to need is a couple of months of just rest and not the constant pounding of, of sliding and doing everything you do playing basketball. But she's day-to-day. -day. We hope we have her for Sunday. Well, it's uh, about that time of the year we start talking those postseason awards. Greg and, I, Greg and I have had a couple of debates here on Sports Sightly. Think that Natalie Potts pretty much is uh, locked up freshman of the year for the Big Ten? Yeah, I think so. And I think it, the major reason is she got on the radar very early. I think Grace Raholski from Minnesota uh, made a pretty good run at it. But then Natalie, or Maddie Kroll's defense on Raholski the two times the Huskers played Minnesota uh, really kind of eliminated her. I think uh, Mary Ashley Stevenson of Purdue will be in the conversation, so will be Rashenda Jones, but I don't see uh, really any way that Natalie Potts isn't the freshman of the year. Seven times she's got the freshman of the week awards, and uh, just all the coaches I've talked to, they've been very impressed with, with her play this year. So I think she's a prohibitive player uh, favorite for that award. And how about Alexis Markowski on the first team? Uh, All-conference team. Then, uh, yeah, if she isn't, they should get rid of the award. I mean, she's <laughs> been at the top of the conference for double-doubles all season, leading the conference most of the year and rebounding. Um, but her game has improved quite a bit from a player who was an all-conference player before that. And I know she's got the respect of media and then obviously the coaches from around the league. Probably the most consistent player in the league other than Caitlin Clark this year. She's only had one game in which she didn't score in double figures. So I think Book it right now. She's a first-team All-Big Ten performer. I love it. I love it. You also got to love that this time of year, you're not sitting here sweating it out on the bubble, knowing that the Huskers have done what they need to do to uh, punch that ticket. I feel pretty good, but like Jeff Reese and I always say, you're not in the NCAA tournament until you're True. in. I would say if, True. if Nebraska spits the bit at Illinois and then loses their first-round game in the Big Ten tournament, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, then we'll get me a towel because the sweat's going to come back <laughs> out. But um, aside from that, I, I do think Nebraska is pretty solidly in the NCAA tournament. Don't really like their seed, 
I think, you know, an eight is probably a tough, tough thing. But getting in the dance is important, then we'll worry about the seed. All that being said, hey, there's still a lot to play for for this Nebraska basketball team. Well, yeah, there's a lot to play for. The double bye in the Big Ten tournament is a big feather and a cap in this league. And then potentially winning the Big Ten tournament, which would take an extraordinary effort. But if you get a double bye, you only have to win three games. You don't have to win five like the teams that are playing in the first round, improving the seed in the NCAA tournament, and then doing some damage in March. Yeah, it's a fun time of year. Going dancing is is a lot of fun. So there's a, there's still a lot to be played for in this season. It's been a fun year for Husker women's basketball. Absolutely. All right, Matt Cody, appreciate your time. We'll look forward to you and Jeff Grish being on the call on Sunday, 3 o'clock tip. They'll be on the airwaves. 2.30 pregame for you right here on the Huskers Radio Network. Coat, thanks for your time. Enjoyed it, Jess. Thanks for having me on. All right, again, we have all the action of all the sports coming up all weekend long on the Huskers Radio Network and our great radio uh, affiliates, Huskers.com and the official Nebraska Huskers app. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Huskers Radio Network podcast and enjoy the busy weekend, Husker Nation.